If you're a fan of American Horror Story, then you know most seasons are inspired by true people and events. For example, in season one, Murder House, a home invasion occurs which sparks a flashback back to the 60s, when a man brutally attacks two nurses while they're home. This scene is inspired by a 1966 Chicago case that was referred to as the crime of the century, when 24-year-old Richard Speck breaks into the house of nine nursing students, where he brutally assaults, tortures, and ends the lives of eight women. And in the end, a ninth woman would manage to survive by hiding under her bed until 6 a.m. the next day. It's around 11 p.m. on July 13th, 1966, when Richard uses a knife to cut the screen on the back door of the townhouse. Once through the screen, he unlatches the door and helps himself inside. In the darkness, he walks up the stairs and stops outside the first door that he sees. And there, he begins to loudly knock on the door four times. 23-year-old Corazon opens the door and sees a man standing there in the hallway with a weapon pointed at her. From that moment, Richard collects Cora and five other nurses and brings them to the largest bedroom on the second floor. In there, he begins to use his knife to cut up their bedsheets while he makes makeshift restraints. As he's tying the women up, it's around 11.45 when a seventh woman walks through the front door. Her name is Gloria Jean Davy. She's 22 years old. Gloria was just coming home from a date, and as she was walking through the front door, Richard was crouched behind and pulls out a weapon on her. He then brings her up to the large bedroom upstairs with the rest of the women. There are now seven women who are restrained and terrified in the large bedroom when suddenly Richard grabs one of the women by her wrist and begins to lead her out the door. His first victim is a 20-year-old woman named Pam. He leads her to the first bedroom on the second floor and would stab her fatally in her heart. As he's in the process of doing this, two more women walk through the front door. Their names are Marianne and Suzanne. Both women are also nursing students who live there on site at the townhouse. At this point, it's just before 1 p.m. when both women walk through the door. He quickly runs downstairs and greets them. He strangles Suzanne before he proceeds to stab her 18 times. He then turns to Marianne and he stabs her in her chest, eye, and neck. Their bodies were all found near each other. At this point, three women are dead and he proceeds to take them one by one from the large bedroom on the second floor and begins to murder them. During this horrific assembly line of death, one woman named Corazon, who is bound by her hands and feet, manages to crawl underneath one of the beds that's in the bedroom. She would hide under that bed for three hours as she would hear her friends being taken one by one and killed into the next rooms. At this point, it's around 3.30 in the morning when Richard walks back into the bedroom and he has lost count at how many women were initially there because he had two that arrived unannounced to him and then he also had that one extra woman who came home from her date. So he leaves the home not realizing there's any survivors. It's not until 5.30 in the morning that Corazon feels it's safe to remove her bindings and come out from under the bed. At this point, she's heard complete silence for hours. And as she quickly looks around, she is completely horrified because all of her friends and roommates are now killed in different areas of the house. She runs to a window on the second floor, pushes the screen out, and begins to stand on this little ledge over here and scream for help. It takes nearly 20 minutes for somebody to come out and hear her and come to her aid. Although it's very odd that neighboring townhouses are right here next to their unit and no one managed to hear the women in the middle of the night being brutally killed. Police then arrive on scene and escort the one lone survivor out of the townhouse. Cora's quick thinking not only saved her life, but it also helped police create a composite sketch based off her testimony, which was the first step to put this man behind bars. What makes the American Horror Story series so fascinating are the true stories that are referenced throughout the different seasons. Some of these are obvious, but others are more subtle Easter eggs. This is reference number two from season one, Murder House. Episode nine is titled Spooky Little Girl and it highlights an aspiring actress who's named Elizabeth Short. This is the real name of the victim from the infamous LA Black Dahlia murder. 
To this day, this is one of the most notorious unsolved mysteries throughout the history of crime due to its complex and extremely graphic facts. When Elizabeth Short was in her early 20s, she moves to LA in hopes of becoming an aspiring actress. But these dreams would not come true because on January 15th, 1947, a woman is walking her daughter when suddenly she spots something across the street. But as she gets closer, she realizes the item that she thought was a mannequin is actually the mutilated and bisected body of a woman, meaning she was cut in half at the waist. And despite the graphic mutilation that was done, there's not a drop of blood anywhere on site, making it clear to detectives that this was done elsewhere. Aside from the obvious sever at her waist, there was multiple cuts and bruises found throughout her body, and particular sections of skin had even been removed. Aside from the obvious injuries, an autopsy also showed that the cause of death was due to the lacerations and also a hemorrhage on her head from repeated hits to her face and her face was cut from both corners of her mouth up to her ears, giving the illusion of the infamous Joker smile. And upon further examination, it became clear that whoever did this to Elizabeth must have been from the medical background since the cuts were so intricate. Due to the graphic and horrific nature of this case, it received widespread media attention and truly shocked the nation to the core. Although with all the attention, this case was never solved. But there is a subtle reference in the first season of American Horror Story that points at who may have been responsible for doing this to Elizabeth, due to evidence that surfaced after a man died. If you've watched season one of American Horror Story, you probably remember this man, Dr. Montgomery, the man who initially builds Murder House in 1922. We see his character decline as he begins to perform illegal abortions in the house. He's also the one seen mutilating character Elizabeth Short, the one who's portraying the real-life Black Dahlia. His character is inspired by a real-life doctor who is the prime suspect in the actual Black Dahlia murder. During the 1940s, a man named George Hodel was a prominent physician who led a venereal disease clinic in LA. He was known for being extremely intelligent and charismatic, but he also had a dark side. It's been noted that he used his wealth and political connections to essentially do whatever he wanted. And it's noted that he would have these decadent sexual parties at his Mayan-style mansion. The house is stunning. Also, it's been confirmed that George was listed as one of the prime suspects for the actual murder. For starters, he had the medical background to perform a hemicorporectomy, which I believe I'm saying right. This was a surgical procedure to cut the body in half underneath the lumbar spine. This was the only area where you could cut the body in half without breaking a bone. According to the original DA files, Elizabeth was one of George's many girlfriends. This was shared by another one of George's girlfriends who claims that she had saw Elizabeth at his mansion multiple times. In recent years, an LA Times columnist named Steve Lopez persuaded the DA to allow him to review the original Black Dahlia case files. The columnist Lopez would go on the record to say when he opened the files, a photo of George fell out, and that other documents confirmed that police had actually bugged his home. Lopez found transcripts of conversations that were recorded from inside the house itself. On February 18, 1950, Hodel remarks, Supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia. They couldn't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary anymore because she's dead. These hidden microphones also provided transcripts from February 19th, 1950, where a woman is heard crying, attempting to call the operator on the phone. And following this call attempt, a woman is heard screaming. This sound is followed by a sound of dinging and metal clangs. Five minutes later, another scream is heard, and then two minutes after that, a final scream. Also, it's worth noting that Hodel's secretary, Ruth Spaulding, that he referred to in the 1950 audio, died of a sudden drug overdose in 1945. Although Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia, did not die until 1947. This is two years after Ruth's death, so if she had any information that was incriminating, it would have been for something that was unrelated. Regardless of this suspicious evidence, he's never formally charged for anything. 
But things take a turn in 1999 when George Hodel passes away at the age of 91. And it's after his death that his son, a retired LAPD detective named Steve, begins to go through his father's belongings. Also, it's worth noting that Steve and his father were not extremely close because in 1950, his father just left the States, flew overseas, lived there for 40 years, and basically left his family here behind. But in 1990, his father would move back to the United States and move to San Francisco. So after George passes away, Steve is going through his father's belongings and comes across a box that has an old photo album inside. As he's turning through the pages, he sees family photos, basically what you would expect. But then suddenly he stops when he comes across two photos in particular. He's stunned when he sees photos of a young woman with curly black hair and her eyes closed because instantly he thinks this looks a lot similar to Elizabeth Short. So son Steve begins to use his detective skills to deep dive into the life of his father. Throughout the years, he compiles enough evidence to write a novel called The Black Dahlia Avenger that he releases in 2003. Throughout the novel, he portrays his father as a pompous man who thought he was smarter than everybody else and that he was only motivated by power, money, and sex. But that also sounds like a lot of people. His son also reveals that during the 1930s, his father started to drink heavily and use opium on himself. And that his father George started living by the philosophy that there was no difference between dreaming at night when you're asleep versus when you're awake. And that during the early 1940s, his father began to abduct women late at night and allegedly murdered several of them and that the only reason his father fled the U.S. in 1950 was because District Attorney William E. Simpson's staff took over the Black Dahlia investigation from the LAPD, essentially pointing out that his father's connections with the LAPD kept him safe and protected until the case was turned over to the DA. And since the release of Steve's book, many have supported the theory that his father was the Black Dahlia murderer. Even the LAPD admits that this case is convincing, and that George Hodel could have been the killer. Although key evidence from the murder in 1947 has mysteriously went missing. Honestly, this is just another one of those layers that only make this case that much more mysterious. Since it appears that there was some real corruption at the time. Follow along as I continue to unbox these American Horror Story references one by one, season by season. And if you're a fan of this series, please subscribe to my YouTube channel where I will be releasing longer format videos that review these cases in more detail. Links in the bio.